Well, hello there. Chris Evans here. Welcome to this week's edition of the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up, the musical mastermind that is Liam Gallagher unveiling his brand new single, Everything's Electric, live on the show, and he did not disappoint. Looking forward to things like his huge double bubble, Nebworth weekend of gigs, plus so much more. Top acting geezer Daniel Mays delves into his excellent new mystery drama, Magpie Murders. I binge watch all six. I never do that. The brilliant brains behind BBC Three starstruck Rose Matafeo lifts the lid on the show's second season. Plus, Reef Frontman and one of my favourite human beings ever, Gary Stringer raises the roof with the band's latest double A-sided single, Right On and Wolfman. All of that and so much more to come. Deborah Dave, who's the first? She's electric, he's electric, they're electric. In fact, everything's electric, according to our next guest. His brand new single, Everything's Electric, is out now, and a new album is on the way. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the rock and roll star burning brighter than ever. It's Liam Gallagher! Good morning, Liam! Good morning, Chris. Good morning. How are you today, pal? Absolutely celestial. <laughs> I've just done, a, just done a load of mushrooms. Feeling great. <laughs> celestial. I love it. Um, right, have you been out for a run? No, no, no. I'm going to go for a swift walk later on. I've just done a load of mushrooms, so I'm just waiting for them to kick in. Okay, that's great. So so how do you like them nowadays? Sautéed, bit of wine in there? Lovely, man. Lovely. Loads of ketchup and that on, on my English breakfast. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. Uh, I know you do, mate. So you listen, you've, you've been having some fun. Um, tell us about you and Dave Grohl. What's been happening there? Uh, well, not a lot, actually, because um, everyone seems to think we were in the studio playing Tiddlywinks together. And he was in LA and I was over there. So it sort of, we didn't sort of meet in the studio and write a tune and that. We sort of done it from... Across the pond and that, you know what I mean? How did it come about? How did it come about? Well, um, good question. I was sort of finished the album in about November, around about the end of November. We had all the songs and I get a phone call saying that they've got a tune in and Greg Kirsten on the go and would they give it a listen? So I said, well, go on then. I had a listen, went back in the studio, recorded it just like that. We were meant to do something on the last album, but it never happened. So... There we go. Right, so uh, we're on the eve of the Brits. You know, you've you've Britted before. How many times will this be, or do you not keep count? No, I don't keep count of that. I'm not I'm not that sad. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 but I'm buzzing to get in there, man, because I think, you know, that's where I belong in primetime TV. I bet, so, you, um, I bet you are. You sound like you're on fire, to be honest. I am, mate. I'm buzzing. I'm, but life's good, isn't it? You know what I mean? I'm like, you know, we're coming, hopefully we're coming out of this dreaded thing that's happened and that's so... I've got a lot of things to be happy for. I'm still alive. I'm still buzzing. Everyone's healthy and that. Playing Neb with Nick this year. So it's all good, mate. Can't yeah. complain. So uh, do, you, do you remember your first Brits? Come on. Uh, I, don't, I remember. Was it Ali, Ali Pally? Yeah. I remember. I don't remember much of it. Oh, um, yeah, I do actually. I remember hiding under the tape. Was it blurred there and all that tackle? I think so. I think so. I think... Yeah, I remember bits. I remember like stealing their awards because I think they won everything yeah. that year and we didn't get a look in. And... Was I, you there? I think <laughs> I may have hosted it, but I can't remember either. Yeah, no, but they were the good old days, man. Yeah, they were fun, they were fun. Uh, what was the longest you stayed out for after a Brits? I, we, we did a two-nighter once. What was the longest you stayed out for after a Brits? Oh, I could do two nights easy. Yeah, I do. I think we did a couple of nights. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm not going to say three or four, I mean, because that's just being greedy and that and show it <laughs> off. But I definitely, I mean, two, I think two's good enough, isn't it? Yeah, two's all right. I think two's, two's sort of, A, it's believable. Um, B, yeah, it B, it can actually still be enjoyable two nights. I think three's. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Three and three and it's just. Three's going to come back and bite you. Um, tell us about Nebworth. Tell us about um, 
what happened following the film last last year, you know, Oasis 1996, Nebworth, and then you saying, let's do it again, and then one day turning into two, not unlike the first time around. Come on, just give us a bit of that juice. Well, I mean, but it was 25 years since we did the last one, and um, I don't know if you're going to do it. I mean, loads of people have been asking us to do it, and I obviously they're going, yeah, I'm not gonna, never going to be able to do Nebworth on my own and that, you know what I mean? So they're going, no, no, no. So anyway... We, I don't know, someone said, look, let's do it, and we did it, and blown away by it, man, you know what I mean? Still can't get me head around that, we've actually sold it out, and we're going to be going back there, so, no, hashtag blessed, as they say. <laughs> humble brag, or not a yeah. humble brag. And what about the rest of the bill? Because we've had people in here since you announced that, and since the movie's been out anyway, who oh. were on the original bill, uh, You like Richard Ashcroft and various other people. Um, have, right. you, have you considered the composition of who might be on over the weekend with you? Well, we've got Kasabian on both nights. Right. And uh, we've got, I think we've got, we've got, um, yeah, there's a few on. Fat White Family. We've got, um, yeah, I can't remember who else is on and that, but there's a few, there's a few, there's, it's pretty, um, it's pretty collected. It's pretty uh, eclectic. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Michael Kuanuka <laughs> as well. I didn't realise that. They're yes, not, are, yes. they, are, are there any gaps? Are there any, any room for a small one? There, there is. I think there's still a few more little slots to go in and up, but uh, we'll have to wait and see, you know what I mean? But yeah, I just, yeah, it's interesting. So it's going to be a fantastic year, and I can, you know, this is your third, it's your third solo album's coming out in May. You know, yeah. how is the art? How is where are we on the arc of your solo journey? Three albums in, where does it fit? If it was a mountain, where are you? Oh mate, oh I'm, uh, oh I'm inside it. <laughs> you are the mountain. I'm inside the mountain. <laughs> been to the top. Been down, slid down the slid down the backside of it, and right. I'm in it. You know what I mean? Okay. No, no, but I'm just gonna keep doing it, man. All I want to do is sing and just keep doing what I do. And you know, whether people say it's a job or not, and it's the best job in the world, it's you still got to get up and pay the bills, man. And and I love doing what I do. You know what I mean? So I'll do it as long as I can do it. Come on, give, give me some more news. I want some more news. There, is, there isn't any more. Well, that's enough, in it. No, I want some breaking news. Come on. There isn't any breaking. news. You bought anything recently? Say... Got any new pets? What's going on with the cars? Come on. No, I, I can't drive. Oh, I'd love, mate, if I could drive, man. I'd, I know I'd, you I'd... don't drive. you got a new chauffeur or something like that. Or what? No, I haven't got a chauffeur. Even though I'm still <laughs> down with it. I'm still I'm keeping it real, me, mate. I'm still in the Ubers. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, uh, no, I've got no, There's nothing else to uh, shout about. What, zero? Nothing else at all. All right, okay. Um, any secret warm-up gigs that we can announce? No. We are, we are going to do some, yeah, someday. Maybe... Um, Coming soon, man. We'll do something and that, but I can't. I can't tell you anything. Are you ever going to come and sing on this show? Ever? I was meant to come in, but you are all COVID scaredy cats. No, I wasn't COVID scaredy cat. But will you right. come? Will you come? Any chance? You I'll come sing. I'll come in. I'll come in and do a tune in there. But I don't. You know, Is that I will. a deal? Yeah, mate. I love you, mate. And I'll buzz off you. So I mean, you know, you like me. You're still here. <laughs> still here. They're not getting rid of us. They can try. They might succeed exactly. one day. So, but not today. I'll come. Anytime. All right, hang on a second. Um, how is this man still entertaining? I love him uh, now. He's never dull. Brilliant chats to Sally and Bridport. Mm. There you go. How about that? Oh, love God. love God. from Sally and Bridport. It's that, it's that healthy dose of mushrooms on the toast. <laughs> Listen, smash it tomorrow. Um, well done on the new single. Please, please, please come and see us if you can spare the time. That'd be great. I will do. Defo. Right. You're awesome. Right, stay safe. Peace. Cheers, Liam. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Big screen, small screen or stage, our next guest never puts a foot wrong and the hot streak continues this week. His super sleuthing new series, Magpie Murders, starts on BritBox this Thursday. So please welcome a maze we all like to get lost in. It's the wonderful Daniel Mays! Hello, Daniel! (laughs) 
I want you to wake me up every day of the week, Dapper Dave. That's just awesome. Okay, Daniel, and for coming in here live as a guest, you win your own bottle of high karate. <laughs> Daniel came in. He said, "He said I didn't, I didn't want to say anything, but I wondered, I wondered who that was." I'm putting this on. I'm what, doing it now. What does it smell like coming into a studio that, that has the, the high karate essence going on? It's very high. It's a very high. Is smell. it very high? <laughs> okay. Um, congratulations on this new show. Um, I've never done this before, Dan. I've been doing this job for a long time now. I mean, look, I'm getting oh, involved. He's gone for the neck. <laughs> stinging. He's gone for the neck straight away. It's all right. So I, I, I tentatively for, for one wrist, and Danny went straight for his own yeah. neck. <laughs> Somebody else's pass, but no, not your own. What, what's the rest of the day hold in store? Because People you're going to avoid me in the lift yeah. on the way down, the aren't they? The martial arts yes. of men's essence. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, Daniel is in this new show called Magpie Murders. It is honestly, I've never done this before. I've never had to watch one episode of something because a guest coming in the next day and then watched the whole series. You know, I have to go to bed at City O'Clock anyway. Yeah. And so, but I watched all six episodes last night. It is fantastic, this show. Why don't you tell everybody, if you can, <laughs> begin to, uh, what it's about? Because it, it's, it's, not, it's not that it's complicated, it's just really sophisticated. Yes, it's ingeniously written by Anthony Horowitz. It's the TV adaptation of his uh, 2016 bestseller, Magpie Murders. It takes place over two time frames. You've got a contemporary storyline and a story in 1955. Uh, the the modern-day storyline concerns Alan Conway, who's an author of the Atticus Punt murder mystery novels. He delivers his final book of the series, Magpie Murders of the title, to his editor... Leslie Manville, who plays uh, her character Susan Ryland. Awesome. But alas, the last chapter is missing. So it's a who done it and you don't know who's done it. She then decides to travel to his home village in Suffolk, this quaint little English village. Because he's got a country pile. He's got a country because pile. Because he's the archetypal millionaire author. Indeed. She wants to fi- locate the final chapter. What she discovers is that everybody in Alan's life is indeed in the book. And that be, like, it could be his lover, his neighbour that he's having a dispute with, the local son. police, his son. Uh, and then what happens is the author himself, Alan Conway, is found dead at his country pile. He's there in the rose bushes, but is he murdered? Is, he, is it an accident or is it suicide? Yeah. So what she discovers is if she can locate the final chapter... She will. In, she can solve the murder mystery in that book. She will in turn find out what actually happened to Alan Conway himself. So it's a who done it within a who done it. It's ingeniously written. So clever. The biggest compliment I can give it is it is just as delightful to watch as it was to make it. It was a real joy from start to finish. Okay, I have many overarching thoughts. Um, um, and one was, I wish my mum was still alive because she would have loved it. It's that kind of thing. It's Poirot plus plus. Poirot gets a mention actually. It does. It, it, it sort of. It's a homage to all those sort of murder mysteries and all those that sort of. And it's Anthony Horowitz having fun. So it what, is. He's, what he's done is he's done all the heavy lifting in his book because he wrote the book. He's then had fun with the adaptation, and then he's obviously thought, you know, I have more room for manoeuvre here. How clever can I make this? And then it, on he goes and makes it really clever. And the reason Leslie Manville's character has a chance of predicting what the final chapter may be, which is sort of what she's have to going to do to keep her own career alive. Yeah. And the independent publisher that she works for is business going, and they've just put it up for sale to a massive venture capitalist, is come up with this final chapter. And the reason she might stand a chance of doing that is because she's edited all the previous series, uh, books in this particular series, eight of them before this, the ninth. And so she has an eye for the detail because she has often been instrumental in changing the plots. So if she reads the first... if, no, if 
if anybody in the world other than the author can guess who did it and come up with the 13th chapter, it's her. There is a man that's watched all six episodes, <laughs> people. <laughs> no, you believe not that you believe me. Yeah. Oh my goodness me, what a show! Have you seen all six episodes? I have. Yeah. It's I great. mean, what, what was so, great about the whole so thing? So good. Is that we are most of the actors in the ensemble are asked to play two characters. So you play one in modern day and the one in the 1955 novel, and that was really the carrot that was dangled in front of all of us. And we were like, you know, why why play one policeman when you could play two? Yeah. And um, that's great. Because inexplicably, the, the characters are linked. Do you know what I mean? They're, you can lean into the comedy in 1955 and play it a lot earthy and straight in the modern day yeah, storyline. And line. the characters you, you lot get to play, I'm just telling Rachel, you know because you're in it, I'm just telling Rachel and Masters and everybody listening. So, so the characters, the, the, the sort of dual characters uh, they get to play are the, 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 the characters they play back in time, in this sort of fictional time machine, they go back in time to play a character from the novel that the guy who's been murdered, the author who's been murdered, has written, are his manifestations of the people in his current life that he wants to settle some scores with that yeah. don't necessarily need to be settled. And that might be why there's not a final chapter. Or it might not. Yeah. It's just, I mean, the moment I read it, I uh, got to the end of the first episode and I said, it, it's, it's, it's genius. You know, it's so, it's, it, what's great about it, it's just very playful. And that allows the actors just to have fun with it. Um, and, you know, the book itself, I recommend anyone to read the novel itself because it's an amazing read. But with anything like this, you just want to do the source material justice. And I think we've got the great Peter Catanio directing it as well, who brought us, you know, um, um, obviously the full Monty and military wives. And so he's got a great pedigree. I mean, everybody in this show was at the absolute top of their game to create Pretty a really great. enjoyable piece of work. Amazing car porn. Yes. Oh, yeah, there's oh, lots of uh, lovely vintage cars yeah, in there. Yeah, modern day as well. It's all good in the hood. Um, what else should we say about this? Uh, when did it wrap? How long has it been in the box, in the bag for? Uh, we wrapped the, the middle of last year. And, um, yeah, it's been pretty quickly put together. But... Um, yeah, we're all buzzing about it. I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't recommend it highly enough. Yeah, yeah. I've never done it before. I've never, I've never watched it. I haven't got time for that. Yeah, I mean, it is. You can binge to your heart's content with okay. it, and I think you want to do that. You just get pulled into the story. All right. Well, you're awesome. Thanks so much for gracing Absolute us with pleasure. your presence. Thanks for again. having me on. Thanks for putting up with us and the smell. No, listen, I got some aftershave out of it. <laughs> um, you know, everyone's a winner. <laughs> Cheers, Daniel Mays. One of the stars of the magnificent Magpie Murders available from this Thursday on BritBox. I've watched all six. I've never done that before. And I ate them up. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Our next guest TV show is so good they brought back an entire channel just for her. The second series of a hit show, Starstruck, starts tonight on BBC Three on the actual telly. So please welcome, live from New York City, it's the brilliant Rose Matafeo! <laughs> hey, Rose, come in from NYC, why don't you? What an introduction. That I was know. spectacular. Well, Thank on. you very much. You stayed up till 4.41 in the morning. or got up at 4.41 in the morning to talk to us, I haven't say. I wish that I stayed up till 4.40. I think I would have uh, dealt with it better. No, I did get up. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm older now, so I could have stayed up. Darn it. I just realised I could have just stayed up. What am I doing? I know, I know. Now, of course, oh. you, you are you are a Kiwi, but you're resident here in the UK. However, you're now mm -hmm. in New York and you have been in Los Angeles. What the heck is going on, Rose? I don't know. I'm an international uh, playgirl. What can I say? Um, no, I, <laughs> I'm actually on like 
the first kind of brief holiday that I've been on for, for, for a few years because I've been so sort of doing the show. Um, so uh, it's very cold here. I will say that it's blimmin' cold. <laughs> it's just, oh my, it's hard to get out there, but it's, it's wonderful. I'm very, very lucky to be here. You're not on a, um, a pro day, are you? What's a pro day? Promotion, promotion, and a holiday. Because <laughs> your show's on all over the world, so you can have a pro day if you like. Well, yeah, it's not out in the US yet, so it's actually just more of an excuse to, oh. you know, get out of the country, look, appear more glamorous than I actually am. Because I'll be like, darling, I, I'm, I, I'm actually in New York. If I want to do that interview, I've got to get up at four forty a.m. It's terrible. But your show is a hit in the US, isn't it? It's on HBO, and it's a hit there. It's a hit in many <laughs> places on this planet called Earth. Congratulations, Rose Matafeo. <laughs> Oh, I'm very, thank you very much. I appreciate that. No, it's um, wild. Right, and the breaking news is Starstruck is back, 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 and it's so important, the return of Starstruck uh, Season 2, that they've they've um, resurrected a whole channel for you. <laughs> I like to think so, and um, they, and I, I've tried to establish that in emails. They have said that, that there is nothing to do with there's nothing to do with that, but I like to believe that, and I've told friends and family uh, in New Zealand there. So, uh, yes, I'm very excited, though. It's very exciting to be actually, you know, back on the telly, uh, you know, the proper telly. Remember that? Yeah, so it, what? It, so the scoop is, have I got this right? I haven't been informed correctly here. Starstruck Series 2, tonight, 10pm, back on BBC3, and BBC3 is also back on the telly. Is that, mm-hmm. is it's that, on at 10pm. That's it's the on deal. 10pm, the, that's the deal. Um, and, yeah, previously the first series was just, you know, uh, on BBC3, online it was on iplayer so it's also dropping all on iplayer as well um so if you're that kind of person who wants to watch every episode in a row which is what a lot of people did last time and it kind of it does you can watch it like a film you know from the first episode to the the sixth and um last time it was funny it all launched on one day all the episodes dropped and I got like messages at 7 a.m. It dropped, I think, at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. on a on a Sunday. And I got messages at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. being like, cool, cool, watch the whole thing. Yeah, great. When's the next one? <laughs> no, so, that's the um, thing, isn't know. it? It's great in one way, but it's it's um it's it's a very sort of heavy future burden. Yeah. Another. Uh, you can r- eke it out. Watch it week to week if you want, you know? Yeah, Jesse Thompson, Evening Standard. It's glorious. It's a joy. An early contender for best coming of the year. Five stars. Matafay and Patel are wonderfully likable. And the whole series is a joy. Boyd Hilton, he, he, he knows what he's talking about in Heat Magazine. As does Ian Ireland <laughs> in the Daily Mail. Rose Matafay's Sparky Six Party was the most delightful rom-com I've seen since Bridget Jones' Diary. And here we go with season two. So uh, we have our two main um, conspirators here. Mm-hmm. We have uh, uh, Jesse and we have Tom, uh, play, sorry, yes. Rose and uh, Nikesh, of course. And uh, that's mm-hmm. you. Uh, where, wh- <laughs> how, do, how do they get together? Where have they been in season one? And how come you end up at a Magic Mike gig on your own in the opening episode? <laughs> <laughs> season two. Really good questions. Very important questions. Um, so, yeah, so those, if you haven't seen the first series, basically, it's, um, it's myself, uh, well, myself playing Jesse, uh, who is a New Zealander living in London, she's working, you know, uh, a million jobs to kind of uh, manage to stick it out uh, here uh, or there. And um, on New Year's Eve, she she meets a very handsome guy uh, and, um, you know, stuff happens. It's really, really fun, like talking on Breakfast Radio and finding different ways in which to say that they slept together. Well done. Yes, they they, they had a wonderful time, a gorgeous evening together. And um, she doesn't realise who he is until the morning, and it turns out he's very, very famous, famous boy. <laughs> and um, and yes, uh, the the rest of the series is sort of their story of uh, coming in and out of each other's lives, and sort of 
trying to make something work and those kind of awkward missed encounters and miscommunications and all that kind of stuff that goes with like, you know, early relationships and all that. And uh, towards the end of the, uh, with the, at, the in, at the end of the series, uh, they are uh, sort of in this situation where they've told each other how they feel about each other and she's off to New Zealand uh, to leave forever. And we just thought, why not start series two the moment that series one ends? Uh, so it really picks up moments after uh, series one ends where they're on the bus uh, on the way to on the way to Heathrow and she has not, she's got off the bus and and it's not the kind of fairy tale-ish kind of rom-com ending. It's kind of, you know, what goes on beyond that, which I found really interesting and we found interesting to make is that, you know, it's it's really weird. It's really weird when you make those big romantic gestures because then reality hits and you go and you get self-conscious and, and awkward and you go, oh my God, what, what have I done? That was ridiculous. Yeah. And so, so that, that's the basically a series two is them trying to kind of make it work. Yeah. Rose, well done. Thank you very much. Thanks Chris. so Thanks much. Thanks for talking. You're welcome. Rose Matafair, live from New York, talking about Starstruck, which is back on your TV. On your TV, the last series, 5 million downloads on the iPlayer. No need for that this time around, although you can if you like. Tonight, 10 p.m. on BBC3 and all episodes available via the iPlayer. There you go. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. They've got groove. They've got meaning. This is the time and this is the place. That's right. Reef is the word. The new double A-side single, Right On and Wolfman, is out now. So please welcome the (laughs) rock and roller that always bowls you over. It's the super duper Gary Stringer. All right, Gary, from Man of Reef. Hello, everybody. Oh, my goodness me. All right. Okay, so for people who don't know, how come you're allowed to, to, to rock right out to Duran Duran as a band? Well, you know, uh, we made a, 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 a record with Andy Taylor, the main man uh, songwriter with Duran all those years ago. I went and sung on a few, few songs of his solo album. And then uh, he fancied coming over having a little jam. And we ended up playing. And before we knew it, we'd written a record. And it's one of the best records we've ever done. <laughs> I know, I'm sure everyone comes in and says that, right? They say to you, oh, we've made the best... It is. No, it's they, such no, a good they don't. They don't because, because I don't think they would dare unless they they meant it, and you clearly do. So, is Andy now a full time member of Reef? Is that done deal? I don't think he's a full time member of Reef. He's Andy Taylor. He doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't need to be a full time member. But of I Reef. think he does think that. Well, we've had lots of smiles together. That's for sure. Okay. And and the thing is, I mean, eighteen months of real fun. Right. And and musicianship, skill, songwriting, rocking out. And we did all those festivals last summer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but where we go in the future, I honestly don't know. Because okay. Andy will do what you want. I think he's off working with Noel Rogers at the minute and one thing and another. And he's got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for Duran's just come up. Yeah, tell us about that. Well, I don't know much about it. I only saw, you know, saw it the other week. So he's, he's been um, nominated with Duran for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I think if you get nominated, you... There's no vote, is there? You're <laughs> no, in, aren't no, you? No. So, yeah, yeah, who knows it's what funny, the future holds? Because that is a yeah. funny phrase where that's concerned. Because you do get nominated, but you also always win. It's not really a thing. It's not really a, a journey, is it? As far as that's concerned. But it's a great, great thing. So, the new album, which I know you're really excited about, and I know he is too, um, and I can't wait to hear it. It's called Shoot Me Your Ace. It's going to be released on Friday the 15th of April. And there is a tour uh, coinciding uh, with all this going on. And we're looking at April. 
Newcastle the 7th at the university there. And then we go through April, Glasgow, Manchester, Exeter, Cardiff, London, Leeds 21st, Bristol 22nd, Birmingham, Brighton 28th, down there on the south coast, along with um, Southampton 29th and Norwich the 30th. If you want to go and see Reef and you will not have a better night out listening to live music, it's impossible, uh, then you need to go to reefftheband.com for tickets. That's reefftheband.com for tickets. Um, tell you had Tom Carriage on earlier, didn't you? It's like, it's like having on again if I close my eyes. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, here we go. That was the last time we saw you, though, wasn't it? Yeah, I know. P- pub in the Park, is that I what know, it was pub called? In the park, that yeah. was such a fun night. It was a fun night. Um, did, were you born and brought up anywhere near Tom? Because you have such a similar accent. I think he's Gloucester, so I grew up in Somerset. Right. But ne- we're, next door. Yeah, we're on the way there, though. Yeah, yeah. I had, I had a, a nan who's from Dursley, and me and Tom connected over that. Because Tom, Tom's favourite word in the world is lush. He has a company called Lush. Where does that feature on, on your your spectrum? It's pretty high. Is it? Yeah, I think anywhere within sort of 50 miles of Bristol, you're going to be saying Lush. Lush. Yeah, Lush. Gr- Lush, Lush yeah. innit? Yeah. All right. Uh, right, the new single, right on. You were talking about it outside. You were talking about the last couple of weeks and also the start of the year. Um, it was it was a slow burn but then it popped yeah well I thought I don't know whether everyone felt like that but the first two weeks felt like we were still in a zombie movie and then suddenly it's like spring's come early I mean even coming here today it's like everything seems to be getting a bit more back to normal which is really exciting but yeah we were playing Monday and Tuesday and uh, I thought about you know we should try out the new two singles so it's a double a side wolfman which is real heavy and right on just made me feel really happy <laughs> and i'm not you know just three-part harmony uh, it's jack's song jack came in, it's the one song that we didn't all write in the room okay please explain the legend of jack the wookie the wookie he, you know <laughs> the wookie bass he's um he's a beautiful human and he's come up with a slice oh. of love for the humans around the UK and the world to listen to um, turned up one day I've got this song boys played it to us I mean every, everything else was written in our rehearsal room in Somerset yeah, yeah. rocking out all together oh, I've got this riff we'll try that we'll join it wonderful nine months you know writing a record yeah. such, such a laugh Andy playing Andy getting into it Jesse loving playing with another guitar player Luke Bullen the drummer He's world class. Yeah, this is your new drummer, Lee Bullen. New drummer, yeah. so yeah. You know. Who's played with, for example? Uh, Joe Strummer, Brian Ferry. Yeah. I mean, Dom, our original drummer, was a really good drummer. He could swing. Yeah. Uh, and now we've got a guy in the band that's as good. You know, it's so special to find a he drummer. He can swing and hit hard. Oh, mate, he can rock out. He can do jazz, R&B. He can do the lot. He can he, find the pocket. It's so. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, you talk about Andy Taylor, world class. Yeah. The rest of the boys are there, no, no, man. No, 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 a... I honestly think from a qualification point of view, Reef, it doesn't get any better. You know, the component parts of Reef are, are unbelievable and that's why you've got to go and see him because you will have this, you will have a, 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 a sort of um, a deep dive a masterclass in rock and roll. Back to Jack for a second. He's my favourite musician of all time. Jack he's my... one of my favourite humans full no, stop. I, 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 I sort of, that's what I sort of mean, I think. Yeah, he's, he's an absolute beaut. He always does what he says he's going to do. He's He'll never let you hair. down. He's got, he's got the best hair. You, do you know what I'm talking about? Let's cut to the chase, Chris. Just, just Google. <laughs> you know, not only that, though. It's not just that. But he's, he's, he's massive. He looks like um, he looks like Atlantis, doesn't he? The, the, the god of the sea. Is you that... told him off last session. Did I? He, yeah, he went out skateboarding and hurt his wrist. And you were like, 
you had a big session to do, and you please went, be do you careful. Remember or no, oh, no, I know, I do remember because I took him on a boat before that, so I skipped him up and down the Thames, which there was you go. with the safe part of the journey. There you go. And then he went off blimmin' skateboarding. Yeah. And by the way, he, you know, he's pretty much, you know, he's pretty adept at skateboarding. He's pretty competent. Yeah. But he just overcooked it half an hour before he's due on stage. Landed on his arm. He's a bass player for heaven's sake. So oh, don't worry, I'll be all right. We've got him insured for millions. Be all right, brother. Don't worry about it. Right, we've got to go. Nice yeah. one, Chris. Cheers, everybody. Okay, you're awesome, Gary String. A new single, right on out now. Double A side with this Wolfman Reef. Uh, back, back, back. And you can go and see them. Reefthebandcom is where you need to skip to right now for details of this forthcoming tour. Uh, the brand new album, Shoot Me a Race, released Friday, April 15th. You're done. We're done. See you Friday. Ta-da. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Okay, so we've heard from some seriously sublime guests already, but still to come. Tom Kerridge spills the beans on his new judging role in BBC Two's The Great British Menu, where it all kicked off for him back in 2010. And looks ahead to the various pub in the park events taking place this year, plus his ongoing amazing work with Marcus Rashford, best-selling author and founder of Spartan, Joe DeSena, discussing his latest book, Ten Rules for Resilience. The acting excellence of Lenny James takes us through his new play, A Number, on at London's Ovic and rugby union legend Will Greenwood has us all excited about the Six Nations and brings bite-sized tips from his book World Class How to Lead Learn and Grow Like a Champion so let's get right back to it all right now Dabby Dave who's next whether it's the drama of Save Me on Sky Atlantic or the intimacy of the theatre, our next guest always hits the spot. He's starring in the play A Number at the Old Vic in London right now, so please welcome an actor that just doesn't know how to put a foot wrong. It's the masterful Lenny James! Morning, Lenny. Good morning, matey. <laughs> how are you today? I'm doing all right. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. You look really bright and bushy tail, but you said, it's quite early for me, this. <laughs> it is quite early for me. I used, I'm kind of got used to sleeping in and doing that theatre thing. Well, you can't tell. You're rocking it. Thank Thank you very much. You're very you. kind. All right, so ahead of this weekend, what are you most excited about, the rugby or the Super Bowl? Because you are a resident of Los Angeles, but you were going to be a rugby player at one point in your life. Well, I say I was going to be a rugby player. I wanted to be. I, right. I played in a successful school team, and we travelled, and I enjoyed it, and I wanted to pursue it for um, a little bit, but truth be told, wasn't good enough. A league or union? Oh, Union, Union, all the way. All right, OK. So are you excited about this weekend? Will you be watching the Six Nations? Um, I will, yeah. I mean, my, um, my father-in-law's coming over and he's French and he loves the rugby and it's kind of a tradition to watch the, watch the rugby with him. So I'll be doing a bit of that this okay, weekend. OK, and vicariously, they're one up on England, aren't they, I suppose? They are, yeah. So, I mean, I've got split loyalties, but, you know, what can I do? And what about the Super Bowl over in Los Angeles? Um, I'm looking forward to it. it I'm not... I'm not hugely interested in it. I mean, I am because it's impossible to ignore, particularly kind of um, uh, being there. But it's one of those I'd be really interested on who wins. I'll be really interested in the halftime show. Um, but the halftime show looks spectacular, <laughs> it looks doesn't it? Ridiculous. How long have you lived there for? Uh, on and off, we've been kind of based there for 16 years. So when you get a weekend like the Super Bowl weekend or the Oscars weekend, you know, because I used to live there as well, and it does go off, doesn't it? It does go off. It's, I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things that LA does fantastically well is throw a party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they really know how to supercharge something that doesn't need it, but w will benefit from it. And we, we sometimes forget to do that here, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing about LA, it's one of those cities where there just isn't a ceiling 
it will just keep going and going and going. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and it, and it happens, you know, because of the weather. It's a great town to have a party in. I agree, I agree. What is it about the Californian weather? It's just, there's no climate like it on Earth. You know, the south of France is a bit like it, and the vegetation, therefore, is also a bit like it, I suppose. Maybe there are other places, but it is, it's all about that blue sky, isn't it? You get up every morning, and you, look, as, insta- as unstable as parts of North America are, in the United States especially, the, the stability that weather gives you every morning is, it's, it, you can't explain it unless you've experienced it more than for just a holiday. Yeah, it, and it is is the beauty that it is it's like you've set your radiator and it just is going to be yeah. like that yeah. every single yeah. day yeah. and once your body gets used to yes, that Lenny, yes. there's just <laughs> there's no getting used to anything else really some people don't get it they go oh, california no and there's that great uh, line isn't there um you know live in or sort of half a verse live in california um at least once but don't stay there till it makes you too soft live in new york at least once but don't Stay there until it makes you too hard. I'm all right with the soft. <laughs> I'm all right with the soft. I, if you had asked me before I went to America, I would have put good money on the fact that I would end up in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that I kind of ended up in um, LA surprises me all the time. How's the traffic nowadays? Traffic's horrendous. Is it? Traffic's horrendous. I think one of the the other thing I was going to say about it is that people forget just how breathtakingly beautiful California is. Yeah. Just the landscape the country the the surroundings yeah. it's beautiful get out of la if you go get out of la drive through california california will open your heart yeah so, so you have a pch1 which is right by the coast as lenny knows better than anyone in the studio at least uh, but right next to it are the santa monica mountains yeah. and, th- and they're not like two miles and the- they're next to the road the mountains start by the roadside and they are proper mountains they are they're right by the water too it's just it's incredible but you have to get out of la you have to yeah, you yeah. know you have to see california oh, man. and it will t- and it will take a while but it is it's well worth it it's oh, lovely. Oh, man. When can I come and stay? <laughs> come down. Uh, brilliant, brilliant. Been there for 16 years on and off. Great. But now you are here and you are playing. Uh, you are playing in a theatre production. Uh, no no place less than the Old Vic. How cool is it to be at the Old Vic? Have you been there before? Have you worked there before? Tell us about the magic in the walls, um, under, under the boards, under your feet. I haven't been there. Uh, I did a 24-hour play years ago where they write and create and perform a play in... 24 hours or was it 48 hours I don't know felt like 24 and um, so this is my first proper time at the Old Vic um, haven't been on stage for the 16 years that I've been in America so Ooh. that that was a bit of a um, a biggie and no, tell us about that let's just double click on that if you don't mind go ahead did, did that that sensation of not having not done it for a long long time but having done lots of other acting I'll be you? I'll be absolutely honest with you I was petrified I was <laughs> Can I say bricking it? I was bricking it. Um, Liam Gallagher said a lot worse on Monday. Don't worry about it. That doesn't surprise me. Why doesn't that surprise me? Um, Yeah, I was was bricking it. And and I have to say, and and it's only a two-hander. So it's me and Papa Esiadu who are in the play. We play um, kind of father and son. And, um, And I was very, 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 very frightened. Um, until we did it, and then it was. Uh, then I was over it. It was the fact that I hadn't done it for such a long time scared me. And then when we did it, when we were doing it, it was gone, and I was, you know, the, all the muscles kicked back I in. I am feeling the butterflies for you just yeah. talking about because we, we've been there, and uh, we'll go there again, and we don't quite know why. No, we don't. <laughs> um, and I tried to get back a couple of times over the years, and it just didn't work out. But well, this play, this theatre 
working with Papa, working with Lindsay Turner, who's our director on a Carol Churchill play, it was a no-brainer. Right, it's an hour and five minutes. How much can happen in an hour and five and give us some teasers why we might want to come and see you? Well, quite a lot happens. Um, it's, it's the story of a... Well, I think you have to make your mind up what the play's about, but the basic premise of the story is a son comes home to his father having been told that he's a clone. And he wants to know from his father how that happened. And the play is about um, a father who is visited by three versions of his son and has to relive and deal with the choices that he's made and the consequences of those choices. Brilliant. Okay, Uh, Lenny James, a number. It's under the Ovic now. Why wouldn't you want to go and see it? OvicTheatre.com is where you need to go for tickets. Lenny, thank you, thank you. Thank thank you you very, very much. This has been a joy. You're absolutely, absolutely awesome. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Perfect pubs and riveting restaurants. Our next guest is the real deal. He's donning his judge's hat in the new series of The Great British Menu that continues tonight at 8pm on BBC Two. So please welcome the socially conscious chef that's simply delicious. It's Tom Carriage. Morning, Tom! <laughs> Morning, mate. How Morning. Are you? Very well. How are you today? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. I was up bright and early. The day started not quite as early as you, but we're good. Yeah, no, pretty good. They're pretty impressive. So I presume you've been to the gym. Have you had a swim yet? Uh, No, I've been to the gym. No swim today. It was all core and shoulder work today. I see. Okay, well, you're looking good, my friend, even from here. Um, The Great British Menu, it's all changed. What has changed and what role do you fulfil on the all-new Great British Menu? Okay, so the way it's changed, the format is exactly the same. I mean, it's been an incredible show for nearly 17 seasons now, and it's it's been so, so good for promoting British food and drink and chefs that are up and down the country. So it's pretty much exactly the same format in terms of there's regional chefs that are cooking, competing, and then they get through to the last day of the week where they have to put two, it starts with four at the beginning of the week, and they get to the final two where they have to cook their dishes for the judges to see which one goes through to finals week. And that's where it's changed. Those judges have changed. We've got three new judges, which is myself, Ed Gamble and Nisha Katona. And we always have a guest judge each week that joins us. um, And we basically spend the day eating at least eight dishes of food and deciding which chef is the best. I mean, it's the dream television job. It is the dream television job. And your history with the great British menu. uh, Let's revisit that, shall we? Yeah, I mean, I was very, very lucky that I won the main course in 2010 uh, and then I went back again in 2011 and, you know, like I, I must have done something. I must have blagged it because I won it again. So and then, <laughs> and then I came back as a mentor. You know, you have chefs that are in there during the week and are helping to guide the other chefs through. So I went back as a mentor for three or four seasons and then now to kind of be that head and lead judge is something. It's been an incredible journey and be a part of that show because it's been so important for the British food scene. Yeah, and never more important than uh, post-COVID, of course. So th- those two initial wins in 2010 and 2011, 2010, I think, specifically, but also 2011, you know, how, how much were they game changers for you and your career and your business and the people that work for you? It's massive. You know, it, it's it's an incredibly watched show and loved hugely. And, and you, you know, if you manage to... I, I mean, you just get on there and do well, and it's so good for kind of, like, your profile and people seeing where you're at, because... At that point, we didn't have like a PR company or you don't have like lots of uh, so many reviews. We're outside of London. And that's where Great British Menu has been brilliant because it showcases um, pubs and restaurants and chefs that are are, are, are nationwide. So, you know, it's not just London centric. And I was very lucky that, 
you know, people saw it. They liked the food that I did. I won with a with a duck dish. It was duck with duck fat chips. I cooked for Prince Charles, and it was and it was a it was an incredible banquet. It was brilliant to do. But you know that kind of end result. I, I mean, so many people. There's loads of people up and down the country that do the Great British Menu tour. They go and visit all the restaurants that they've seen. Wow. And, I know it's kind of like these groupies that follow it around and go and meet all the chefs and you know it's so good for restaurants especially now coming out coming out the other side of that the nightmare two years all right well we're we're in there we are the meat in the sandwich of this week's episodes of the great british menu on the telly Uh, it's back tonight at 8 p.m on bbc2 you got so much else going on as well tom uh how's pub in the park going i know that uh, the initial tickets sold out pre-christmas uh what was left went on sale last friday are there tickets still available for the various pub in the parks across the UK? There are tickets available. Um, I think Marlow is pretty strong um, in terms of uh, how the ticket sales have gone, but there are plenty of tickets floating about up and down the country for... There are nine pub in the parks we're doing. We're doing a new one this year. We're doing one down in Brighton, which is amazing. We're doing one in Wimbledon. Um, so there's uh, huge, there are tickets available, but there is a huge amount of demand for it. it there's been an incredible appetite quest for people wanting to get out of the house, go and see, eat food and, and drink, but also enjoy live bands and live music. Because you know as much as anybody that live music has been affected as, as much as restaurants. People haven't been able to go out and perform. And, and it's not just the performers, is it? It's the roadies, it's the sound technicians, it's everybody that has anything to do with festivals. Yeah. Great bubbling energy and atmosphere from from the general public to get out and do stuff. So yeah, the tickets are going very very fast, and it's a great family friendly food festival with loads of brilliant music. All right, probably the part uk.com. I have no interest apart from the fact I'm interested in it and I love the people who run it. Marlis and Albans, Warwick, Bath, Dulwich, Tunbridge Wells, Chiswick and St Albans all available now. And their music including Craig David and Rag and Bone Man, Kaiser Chiefs. Wow, what a lineup! Professor Green, Sister Sledge, Supergrass, uh, General Levy, and um, more. Also. Let's talk about you and Marcus Rashford. Uh, and the Happy Monday. Sorry, I, I didn't forget them. They weren't down, but they are going to get down uh, with everybody who's willing to get down with them. All right, Marcus Rashford and you, how did that happen? And where are you with the full-time meals campaign? So the full-time meals campaign last uh, launched last April. Um, and, you know, it was to kind of um, drive the uh, recognition and the fact that the healthy start vouchers are available for people that, you know, they may not even know they exist. So they're vouchers for people that have um, gone to full pounds 25 per child per week that helps them um, buy things like fruits vegetables whether it's tinned or fresh um, pulses and dried um, and dried things as well as um, infant milk formula and, and dairy milk so it's it, 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 we put together a load of ingredients and recipes that were very very budget and pocket friendly so that to help people that qualify for those healthy start vouchers that they can cook some food that meant that they weren't just um, having to focus on lots of tin stuff and, and just trying to be able to um, connect with people whose backgrounds were very, very similar to mine and Marcus's. You know, we both grew up as single parent families. We, you know, our mums had two jobs and we were kind of in the same sort of background. And, you know, I'm old enough to be Marcus's dad. And it's that feeling of going, we're still talking about it now. It's still in such a position that, we, you know, we we need we we used my skill set to create recipes, and we used Marcus's wonderful outreach to connect with people and try and make sure that as many people as possible could see these uh, videos and uh, uh, and the campaign that is, is going to be running for another year. Um, and it's just trying to connect with as many people as possible. Louis Tomlinson did a fish finger sandwich for us, cooked us on Instagram. 
uh, you've got 1.6 million people watching it. So <laughs> that, kind of that kind of connection of getting people to see budget-friendly cooking yeah. uh, and the recognition that if you qualify for a healthy start voucher, please take it up. It's there. It's available. Um, and cook some of these recipes. Tom, have a great day. Uh, thanks so much. Good luck with everything you've got going on, especially the Great British Menu. It's on three days a week at the moment. It's on Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays. Again tonight, 8pm on BBC Two. Tom and the new gang at the helm. That was Tom live from Marlevonia. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Put in the hard work, accept the challenge and learn from failure. Our next guest certainly has, and he's done pretty well. His new book, 10 Rules for Resilience, Mental Toughness for Families, is out now. So please welcome a man that'll have you crawling through the mud and under barbed wire in no time. It's Joe DeSetta! Good morning, Joe! Thanks for having me. You guys are crazy early in the morning. I love it. <laughs> well, it's not as early here as it is there, but to be honest, when we start, it's pretty much like this anyhow. Uh, three and a half hours hence. Joe, great to talk to you. I'm a big fan. We're all big fans. We all worship at the altar of Joe DeSena already, uh, so there is nothing to fear here. Just love, my friend. Mental Toughness for Families is the book, 10 Reels for Resilience. Uh, for people who don't know, give us a little bit about your story to kick off with, please, if you don't mind. Yeah, so I grew up in Queens, New York. If you saw the movie Goodfellas, I grew up in ground zero for, for that movie. Uh, all the folks that are portrayed were literally neighbors. Um, my mom, in the middle of you know the, the raviolis and the sausage and peppers and the jail time, my mom somehow finds a yogi from India and um, converts into a vegan, uh, starts teaching yoga, starts meditating, and... I thought it was nuts. My dad thought it was nuts. Everybody in the neighborhood thought it was nuts. It's way too bohemian, way too crunchy at that time, late 70s, um, maybe mid-70s. So they get divorced, and um, I'm kicking and screaming. My sister's kicking and screaming. We don't want any part of it. But after a few decades, uh, I realized my mom was right, and I started doing some of the crazy stuff. She actually was running 10 miles a day back then, in addition to the yoga. And she found a race. You're going to love this. She found a race in Queens, New York, not far from where we grew up, through this yogi from India called the Transcendence Run. It's a 3,100-mile race around a one-mile loop. It takes 50 to 60 days. And, and the point of it was to show uh, humans, to show our species what we were capable of, and especially if you took care of, of this body, you know. And... Uh, and so anything became possible for me. And fast forward, I made my bones on Wall Street. I went to Wall Street. I, I did a decade there. Thank God I made a little bit of money. Um, but I really was passionate about what I was fighting my mom on, which was this health and wellness idea. I loved pushing people way outside their comfort zone and in the process, seeing them transform. So that, that passion ultimately turned into Spartan. And um, here we are today. Okay, and for people who aren't aware of what Spartan is, can you frame that for us, please? Yeah, so Spartan is basically a military-inspired <laughs> obstacle race. Um, not, not too dissimilar from Tough Mudder, but, but more difficult, um, more challenging in the sense that we're going to hold you accountable. You're going to do the obstacles or you're going to do 30 burpees. Um, the, the, the obstacles themselves are a little more sporty. We're expecting you to race yourself and race others and try to come in as fast as you can across that finish line. Um, we've got, in a non-COVID year, 300-plus races around the world in 45 countries. Uh, about a million and a half people a year participate. 
again, in a non-COVID year. And um, we're really an extreme wellness brand. Uh, the peak, uh, 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 most difficult challenge we put together is something called a death race. It happens once a year on the farm in Vermont. The farm is where this all started. And um, in that event, we attempt to just kill people. We push them, <laughs> we push them to their limits. We, we, we are putting you through Mount Everest with the worst possible weather. Your radio is broken, you're out of oxygen, and you just want to you just want to cry. That's what the death race is. Yeah. Okay. Super cool. And when he says kill people, it's it's the ego you're trying to kill, isn't it? And that does happen. I mean, to the extent that uh, out of the hundreds of people that do apply successfully, um, there was a massive or withdrawal rate, fail rate before the race even started. But you put pay to that. First of all, tell us about tell us about the excuses people came up with, and then how you solve that particular bump in the road. Yeah, well, people people come up with all kinds of excuses. Everybody listening knows uh, they do it to them. We all do it to ourselves, right? We come up with really elaborate stories that sound logical at the time. And, you know, the first one that we were confronted with was my grandmother died. Um, my dog died. Um, the plane crashed. You name it. And, and so we would have uh, 300 people plan to attend this event. And, you know, maybe 250 would actually show up. Uh, 200 would actually start the race because 50 got sick somehow after they, they got to Boston on their way to Vermont. And it just became uh, really challenging for us because I was spending all this money and all this time to put on the races and people were quitting before we even started. So I started a new program, I don't know, maybe a decade ago where I said the only way you could race is if you get an article printed in your local newspaper that says you are coming and finishing the death race so that now you're on the hook to all your peers, all the people that know you, that you're going to do this. And all of a sudden, grandmas stop dying. And all of a sudden, uh, <laughs> dogs stop getting sick and planes stop crashing. It was unbelievable. I love it. I love it. Joe, listen, thanks so much for getting up early or staying up early uh, or making time for us in your early morning schedule uh, this time around. Great to talk to you, Joe DeSena. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He's seen his fair share of hackers, played alongside a hooker, and now he's written quite a superb booker. His new book, World Class, How to Lead, Learn and Grow Like a Champion, is out now. So please welcome a man that can teach you to lead if you simply just read. It's the brilliant Will Greenwood. <laughs> One of his best, that Will. That's strong. Woo! Dave, strong. that was, oh, even right. for you, that was strong, even man. Even for me? Yeah, well, because your bar, I'm trying to pay a compliment. Oh, your huh. bar is so high. Oh, thanks. But it's just got a little bit bit higher there inspired by mr greenwood really okay how are you well i'm great thanks welcome to the show what a beautiful day what a great day to be alive man it's the best i've got a game of golf this afternoon hosting a couple of clients so Come dashing on. from here to walk a ball around and then a nice weekend watching some rugby okay and this kind of um uh this kind of air the ball flies on a day like today like no other yeah so i've heard i hope it works with me i, I always imagine radio stations and studios being sort of dingy basement things this is insane they've always been like this yeah. All, all the ones we've ever worked yeah. in. No, they're not. This is su this is super <laughs> special. This one. Uh, so Will Greenwood, uh, he of uh, the 2003 World Cup winning uh, rugby team. Can't believe Johnny Wilkinson got man of the match for that. I mean, what did he do? You know, yeah. what, what did he contribute to that particular Honestly, game? Honestly, what, 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 yeah, he gets all the glory. Will? A handsome devil, tip of the spear, hero. Actually, <laughs> he dragged us into the 21st century is what he did <laughs> as a kid. He just rocked up and started doing things that some of us old like boys would. We, we, so we were Corinthian. We like, you know, train on Tuesday and Thursday night under floodlights, go for a beer, uh, go to work. And then suddenly this new age athlete arrives and, 
um, starts talking about sports science, starts looking after himself, starts stretching. We're like, what's this kid doing? <laughs> it's, not, it's not how we did it in the old days. Did he condition as well in the shower? Extraordinary. <laughs> Him and Jason Robinson. We had some. We had a, like a Praetorian guard, a bunch of old guys who were quite good, but we couldn't go to the next level. And the next level needed someone like Johnny who just trained out of control. And what I mean by that, just got on the start line and trained, did every set like it was an Olympic final. Really? And we were like, no, 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 dude, we've got five to do. Take the first two or three easy, have a half decent one on the fourth, yeah. and then. Last set hero, number five. No. Johnny was like, what are you old duffers doing? How are you ever going to get better? Yeah, yeah. And we're like, oh, okay. Right, we'll follow you. Was so. it like Luke, Scott, Luke Skywalker entering the fray? Uh, he, there are certain people. Uh, I was with a chap called Kevin Sinfield yesterday. Great, I mean, rugby league superhero, one umpteen champion. There are certain people who just walk into a room yeah. and you just go, I, I don't know what it is. They've got it. You sense it. You literally. Yeah, totally. In fact, you can't not sense it. Can Correct. You? Yeah, you're in a room with certain people, Delalio, Lawrence Delalio, and yeah. these sorts of characters, and you're around them. Uh, and part of the thing with the book, we sort of interviewed 80 people from you know Michael Johnson, Denise Lewis, 40 or 50 top class CEOs, Dana Strong, Comcast, Nascar. You just sit with people. And you just go, wow. You just want to listen. Tell me what you know. Let me. Let, I'm, I'm scribbling yeah, down. Yeah. What did and you, you say? You know loads yourself, but it's fantastic that you've become this sort of qualified lister. Will Greenwood and Ben Fennell have written this book. It's called World Class: How to Lead, Learn, and Grow Like a Champion. From the lessons and the wisdom, the ongoing, the age-old wisdom, and the new cutting, um, sort of pioneering, trailblazing um, uh, experience and experiment um, from the worlds of business and sport together. And it's all completely fascinating. You know, you, you've interviewed all these people uh, they dovetail they they come in and out of separate yeah. chapters different chapters you know uh, you already alluded to the fact you were the vice well you didn't say this but you were the vice captain weren't you under the captaincy of Lawrence Delalio in and around yeah J- just tell me about that position because I've often thought about deputy prime minister yeah. right you know the spare yeah that, you know not doing really that much um, unless of course something happens to the prime minister as it did when Boris Johnson had COVID and the stuff like that but under such such a leader as Lawrence Delalio what yeah. what what is your responsibility and what do you actually really end up ever doing? Yeah, so, I mean, the thing is, so we started writing this book about leadership and actually ended up about teamship. Uh, and I d- discovered that the difference between me and my co-author, he's, Ben is destined, he was a CEO of BBH advertising age of 16 years, so you're thinking about links, uh, Audi, Vorsprung, Talk Technics, you know, one of the absolute best. And he's a strategist, he's at 36,000 feet. Uh, I spent my life when I finished playing rugby thinking I've got to be a leader, I've got to be number one. But five or six years later, by the age of sort of 40, I thought, actually, I'm just a really good number two. I'm a good conciliary. Uh, I'm a good teammate. So and Stuart, so, Like Stuart Pearce, for Yeah, so I'm in, uh, too much to say I'm in the trenches, but I'm on the ground, I'm in the weeds, I'm trying to fix it. I'm six inches in front of my face, what have I got to do? I've got to get from A to B, whereas someone else has got the microscope looking into the distance, how do we become world champions? Clive was brilliant at that. Uh, and then it's the number twos, it's those guys in the uh, who are the doers, who are the players, who can perhaps feel things that a coach can't see out on the pitch so they can take some of the strategy and they can bridge to the short term to be able to marry those two together and find yourself getting to the end point as fast as possible and so um, I think one of the most important lessons in life is to be a good teammate is uh, to uh, really acknowledge those around you because at some stage if you become the boss and you forget your peer-to-peer relationship you're going to be their boss at some stage and so nurturing those relationships as you go through and build as an individual I think set you up to be a much better human being and with it empathy humility authenticity um, and someone who 
people will be prepared to follow because of the way they've gone about their uh, daily life. Um, what do England need to do this weekend to change their fortunes on the pitch? Uh, play with pace, tempo, uh, don't worry about last week, let the scoreboard look after itself. The performance is there. If they worry about winning from minute one, you tighten up. It's a bit like being on a golf tee and there's water on the right-hand side. If you worry you about the water... You're getting ready for this afternoon, That's like? it, man. I'm already thinking there's out-of-bounds on the right off the first. Don't... Do you know why they did that? What? They do that a lot. So, so when yeah. they when they design new golf courses, they put a, they put water on the right hand side of the first tee yeah. because one of the most common things golfers do when they're playing a, a special course away from home is they buy three new balls yeah. and they hit the first one in the water and the reclaimed ball business <laughs> is it. massive. Yeah. And that's why they do it. Yeah. They make as much out of those balls. Um, as they do out of the England are a great team they, they had a well played Scotland don't want to gaslight this in any way shape or form England didn't deserve to win last week they've got those a great cheers? bunch of lads what about those cheers after the final whistle that oh. kept coming didn't Ooh, they they yeah. just kept coming it lasted forever well great to see you man pleasure brother good luck to you and your family thank you lots of love uh, what a fantastic blow what a fantastic book Will Greenwood and Ben Fennell's world class how to lead learn and grow like a champion and now uh, Vassas thanks for all your help this week thank you Chris uh, good luck with the weekend see you on Monday see you Monday thanks team another great week on the radio thanks for listening everyone the best of the chris evans breakfast show with sky virgin radio along with a bloke called max he was the one who won f1 last season and is now changing the game with a new car the rb18 was unveiled to the world yesterday so ladies and gentlemen we feel the need the need for the team principal of red bull racing it's the one and only <laughs> christian horner morning christiana good morning a wonderful presentation yesterday congratulations that was awesome yeah thanks very much always Exciting to see a new car come to life, so uh, ready for a busy season. Okay, now the cryptic naming of the Red Bull cars, it's very complicated, but try and stick with it. The reason the new car is called the RB18 is because RB are the initials of Red Bull, and it's the 18th year they've been doing this. Yeah, yeah, it's really complicated. Genius, stuff, so, isn't it? It's so yeah. cool. Right, it's a big year. The reason we got you on is A, because we love you, B, because we love you, all the way to Z, and Adrian and the whole team at Milton Keynes. And uh, we think you're awesome. And what a season last season uh, was. But also, you are representative of all the other teams this year because it's all changed and every single component, every single car is brand new. How are you feeling? How do you think it's going to pan out? You know, how, how much does this level the playing field? Well, it's a completely clean sheet of paper. So everything we learned last year goes out the window. And uh, the car's a completely different concept of car. It's designed so the cars are designed so they can follow more closely. They can race each other more closely. So, so it's going to be interesting. So, you know, complete uh, clean sheet. Everybody's got the same chance. We've got a, a budget cap as well. So it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, so how, how does that work? What is the budget cap? Tell us about that and how will that help um, uh, the teams that we usually expect to be at the back of the grid? And I mean that in the nicest possible way. Well, the budget cap is limited to $140 million. So it's still a lot of money, but uh, there's still exclusions with that. For example, things like drivers, for example, sit out of that. But each team's got that cap of money and, and pretty much every team will be working at that cap. So uh, it's going to make it more down to, you know, making sure that your developments are value for money and you pick and time your updates, uh, you know, strategically. So it's going to be going to be fascinating. And what are you hearing about the opposition? Well, I haven't seen any of them yet. So, uh, you know, the cars start getting launched over over this next week. So uh, and then we see everybody down in Barcelona week after next for three days testing and then 
three days in Bahrain, and then we're racing. So the car that you unveiled yesterday, um, uh, which began with that, it was a very funny film about Max uh, being late for the meeting and um, Checo being in the gym. Check it all out, by the way. I think we put a link on our Instagram page at Virgin Radio UK. Uh, The car that we saw yesterday is gorgeous, much sleeker than any car I can remember from the Red Bull range. By the way, that's a pretty high bar to start with. But that may not be the car we see on the grid in the opening race. Well, of course, we don't want to give all our secrets away to the opposition. I'm sure, I'm sure Toto's scouring over those pictures as we speak. Right. So, um, you know, the teams will hide things back. So the car might change a little bit before you see it in, uh, you know, live in Bahrain. Okay. And um, what about the uh, what about the the goings on the handbags uh, that we saw towards the end of last season? Um, have, have you have you broken bread with Toto? Um, it, you know, in between the last race and the first race of this year. Well, I haven't seen him, to be honest. I bought a factory tour to go around a factory at a charity auction on on Sunday, but apparently I'm not going to be allowed to go. So I'm thinking of sending Jerry along. Um, so uh, we just want to see how you know how they're dealing with the budget cap. But uh, you know, I'll see Toto. I'm sure at uh, in the next week or so. All right, cool, 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 cool. You've been at this a long time now. Um, um, you, you, your your looks and your demeanour and your energy belie um, how long you, you've been in in the game for. <laughs> Uh, and of course, you get up for it every year because it's a fantastic job. But in in you know in many ways, you know you've normalised it because it's what you do. That's the, this is where and how you go to the office. You know how is how are you have you been there for the whole eighteen years, Ed, um, um, Christian? Yeah, I've been there since the beginning. So uh, so yeah, eighteen years. So it's been a, it's been a long journey, and I'm still the youngest team principal in Formula Woo-hoo! One. So um, I mean, there you go, longest and longest and youngest, but. Uh, a few more miles on the clock now. And uh, what about the um, environmentally? Because this is this big news. I don't know if you heard about it today, uh, but yesterday they achieved quite considerable, uh, comparatively massive nuclear fusion in the world of science uh, yesterday, which is a big, big deal as far as uh, energy uh, production in the future is concerned. What, what about what about the environment? What about um, alternative uh, sources of energy? What about that agenda for you as a company, uh, you as a team, and, and your sport in general? What's on, what's on the agenda there? That's massive for us, and so you know we're in introducing a larger bio content of fuel. We're up to 10% biofuel this year. We're going to go fully sustainable fuels by 2026. And uh, you know, rather than electric, I think Formula One needs to be looking down a hydrogen route as well. So we've got Formula E, that's going its own route. I think you know combustion engines with potentially liquid hydrogen could be something that we're quite excited about and could be um, you know, something for the future. What about mood in the camp? What's, what's the team like? I mean, how many people now work for Red Bull at Mill and Keynes? Just give us, give us a little sort of paint a picture of, of what it's like to, to, to work behind um, the Beatles that is the Red Bull gang. <laughs> well, we've got about 800 on the um, uh, Red Bull racing and then we've got uh, the powertrains, the engine business that's being built up. So we've got about you know, a couple of hundred in there at the moment. And then Advanced Technology, which is uh, Adrian's toy shop where he's designing the latest uh, and greatest hypercar. So, a, you know, there's about another hundred in there. So, so uh, you know, about 1,100 people in Milton Keynes. Um, yeah, burning the midnight oil at the moment. Okay. Any jobs going for anyone listening? Look, we're always looking for young talent. And like we do with the drivers, we're, we've got graduate schemes and... Uh, uh, you know, apprenticeships and so on. So we're always looking at, uh, you know, investing in youth and getting young talent into the business. So you're a bit old for that. No, no, it wasn't. Believe me, I was talking more about uh, uh, younger um, uh, people around our orbit. Noah regularly designs... Uh, he, he he designs... Uh, 
at least one new Formula One car a week, just so you know. And it's his 13th birthday today. Fantastic. No, happy birthday. I gather he's 13 today. So he's 13 today. Happy birthday. Yeah, by the way, he's he is actually designing an F1 car at school with his team, and they're going to make it. It's a model one, but it's going to work. Yeah. And they, they've they been using the Haas livery because Haas were the first team to unveil their new car last week. Um, yeah. So so, But he might, he might be changing that to the Red Bull livery as of yesterday. Just bear that in mind for next year. You might want to launch first I don't know yeah no absolutely well look I mean my my little boy he's obsessed with Lego at the moment and of course uh, there's recently been a, a Formula 1 car launch that's a Lego it's not a Red Bull so uh, you know we're going to have to do there's been a Ferrari there for a while let me tell you alright and what are you doing today what does your day look like the, t- the team principal of Red Bull on Thursday the 10th of February 2022 what's your day look like well firstly get the kids to school so I've got uh We've got got to drop one off in a minute. One's already walking. One's in a car on the way to school, so uh, they're all on. And then it's straight into the office. And um, yeah, busy busy day ahead as we're preparing for the for the season. All right, have a great day, Christian. Thanks for your time this morning. All right, very good. All the best. Cheers, pal. Awesome. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.